Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. Uh, how's it going, Mike? I haven't talked to you since uh, yesterday. Like forever, I know. It was a right, long time right. ago. It's great. Hey, man, when this uh, show goes live, it's two days till Disney Plus. Just two days. Two days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's not a big deal for you or most people on the planet, but, you know, I get to see Mandalorian. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that midichlorian show you guys are always talking about. Right, so. right. The, all the midichlorians. Yeah. Now, that's about Jango Fett and the clones, right? Yes. Actually, it probably is. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if they're going to talk about him in that show or, or not. So I don't. I don't, I'm I'm digging deep in my my sure. limited uh, sure. um, a reservoir of of Star Wars knowledge to try and throw some more shade. And I'm, I'm <laughs> well. Not, the, I'm here's the thing: dry, is that so. like it's it it's not it doesn't feel like it's as big, but it's another Star Wars movie. Is what it is, right? I mean, what I thought it was a TV show. It is, but isn't it being dropped all at once? Like, isn't it a Netflix type thing where they just you stream it? I mean, I don't. I don't, you know more about this than I do. So well, I mean, I, I saw a trailer and then I, I get my own hype up about it, but I don't I don't actually know anything about it. I, sure. I try to. Well, if they're I mean, people are doing things different ways, right? Like mm-hmm. Netflix has established they're owning the binge watching model. They sure where, are. for example, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Well, that's exclusive to CBS All Access. There's no reason for them to be releasing the episodes one once a week. But they are. But they do. Now, granted, they're a network, right? They're, uh, CBS is a television network. Like, their whole mindset is around this, like, scheduling paradigm where Disney is somewhere in the middle, right? Like, they've had the Disney Channel for decades, so they're accustomed to that format. But maybe they're trying, you know, if they're trying to chase Amazon's tail a little bit, maybe they'll release the whole show all at once. It's just a question of... How you want to handle, like, the hype, the big energy for it. Like, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast. Like, Stranger Things comes out, and all you have to know is, have you seen Stranger Things? And, like, maybe you're like, how many episodes in are you? And, you know, that determines how much fans can talk to each other about it. Where, you know, a show like Game of Thrones or Discovery or whatever, you're like, oh, have you seen... Have you seen this week's yet? And you yeah. can talk about it like this and like this. Um, you know, and we've also talked about the storytelling mechanisms. You know, you can do a show like um, those two Netflix shows we just watched, Living With Yourself and Raising Dion. Yep, yep. And you don't you don't have to do recaps. You don't have to, like, back up the story and have a lot of extra exposition to make sure the audience still knows you know, everything that's going on because it's assumed that people are binge watching it yeah. and um, they can figure it out if you, you know, you don't have to spoon feed it to them. I, I gotta say, I think, I, I think, and I just kind of looked up that Disney did say that they, they are not going to drop it all at once. Um, but they won't tell you, okay. they won't tell you how often they're going to release it. Um, mm. So, or at least they, they, not that they denied it. They just didn't include that in the, their information. Uh, but the, it's a little cryptic. Yeah, it's guessing that it'll probably be like once a week type thing, like other shows. But I, we talked. Yeah. I know we talked about this subject before on on the show. Um, I, I I like it. I mean, granted, I'd love to watch, sit down and watch, you know, all weekend of the Mandalorian. But I I, I like the excitement of the idea that I'm going to watch an episode and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about it. It's it's going to be in group me. It's going to be in 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe on the show even where people are going to going to have a moment to talk and breathe about it. Right. Yeah. And then they'll there'll be a time come Sunday or whenever they launch their thing where it's like it's on now. It's on now and sit down and watch it. So mm-hmm. that 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 excites me a little bit, you know, and, and I like yeah. and I know that I can feel when Stranger Things drops. That's kind of fun, but it's weird. It's like it's it's all done at once. And then nowadays it's starting to feel like I got to watch 12 episodes or whatever it is. You're like, I got okay, I got a lot to watch to watch all at once. You gotta, well, it's of it. it's more like a movie, right, right? right? Like a movie comes out and, you know, unless you went on opening night, which some people do, for the most part, it's that question. It's have you seen it yet? Yeah. Um, yeah, but you have, you have to commit a lot more one, than just a, an hour and a half to two hours sitting. Right. But it's just it's just one big moment. There's not a lot of, um, uh, you know, longevity to that to that big moment. Yeah. And, and, uh, and if you don't if you don't watch it, people stop talking about it really soon. Right. Like like I, right. I think when it launched the most recent one watch a month later, no one's talked about it anymore. You know, and <laughs> right, and right. it's while it's great and it's got a lot of spiky stuff. Uh, Netflix has been. I just read this last week how Netflix has been losing lots of money. Um, they've put they've been doing such a push on original content and not just burning through cash, and their profits are way down. And for the last time, mm. I think it was the last the first time last month or something, they've lost subscribers. Um, sure. And obviously, we all know that they'll probably lose some more subscribers coming in the coming months. But um, their model of binge all at once is kind of neat, but they're the only ones doing that. Right. Oh, Amazon does it. Th- does it? Yeah. 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 I guess it kind of does with their originals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Am- yeah, but Amazon's weird. Amazon charges you for like three episodes or get three episodes free, pay for the rest or something. It's really messed up. Um, well, yeah, I mean, their whole thing is different because they're trying to sell videos, which Netflix is not doing, but then at the same time, we've said this before, like, Nobody is, well, um, maybe somebody is, but most people are not paying for Amazon Prime video. They're right. getting Amazon Prime video because they're paying for the shipping exactly. service. Right. Right. Yeah, well, um, this... So they're there. Yeah, they're, they're the, so they're the only ones that really, I mean, that that's their primary thing is like make big originals, dump, and then that's their, their model is to dump them all at once and, and go, go, go with their stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's a real burn fast type thing. It's kind of like taking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, $20 million that they have and just burning it overnight and hoping that they, and I don't know what they get back from that except for excitement for a short amount of time. It's very, it's very adrenaline junkie type sales model. Yeah. It's, it's weird because like they're the first streaming service and yeah, maybe if they, you know, release their, sh- their shows, you know, one episode at a time, those, those things would have some more legs on them, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, original season one, Stranger Things was big hype that lasted for months. The subsequent seasons, I'm sure, have had much, much shorter tales. Yeah. Um, well, you just think about it. If it's eight episodes or 12 episodes, then they can have it you know, last three months. And the hype lasts for all three months with yeah. big and, at the beginning and, and big at the end, you know? It'll be, there'll be ups and downs with it, but I mean... <laughs> In a lot of ways, we're back to, uh, you know, 2008. I don't, well, I said I wasn't going to 
talk about video games because we talked about video games in the mm-hmm. last recording that went up a week ago, but um, what it went up today, which for people listening will be a week ago, but <laughs> yeah, right. um, this goes up. It's all confusing. Um, it's like when World of Warcraft made the transition from repeatable quests to daily quests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody on Reddit and the forums hate what video gamers call time gating. Right. But that's sort of what this is. Like, if you know how the industry works, if it's not, if you're not talking about a soap opera. Yeah. For the most part, TV shows are made. Like, yeah. before the season starts, the whole season is made. Yes, right, like, correct. They've, they've recorded it, they've they've filmed it and edited it, and it's all ready to go yes. um, before it starts airing. And so, for them to air the episodes one week at a time is time-gating. Yeah. They're like, we have all the content, but you're only going to get it in dribs and drabs. You're going to get a little bit at a time. And they've been doing that for decades and decades, right? I mean, that's... Right. I mean, historically, you know, it would take them, they could make a whole episode in a week. And so they would air one of them a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how original Star Trek was made, the original series. Um, you know, things have changed to where, you know, it's easier to get actors together for a short burst of time and do a lot of filming and then do different episodes in different orders and something like that. I don't know. That's I only have little glimpses into that that industry. But um, you know, Blizzard learned in the MMO space that if you give people a thing that they can just, as we say, grind toward, some people will do that to the to the detriment of the rest of the game or their health or yeah. whatever. Like if there's in if there's interesting gameplay, if there's interesting entertainment, just to bring it across to both both spaces some people will watch they'll binge it they'll watch all of it yeah um they'll play all of it and then you know in a week they've consumed all of that entertainment and now they're they're bored they're like oh there's there's nothing for do and nothing for me to do and so they said well what if okay we have this thing you can grind toward and you still have to do the same amount you still have to do these same quests this many times you still have there's still this much this many hours of effort that you can put into it, but we're going to cap it and say, you can only do a half hour of it a day. So instead of, you know, not sleeping and doing it in two days, it's the shortest it's going to take you is a month, Mm -hmm. but you'll have the rest of your rest of your day. It's sort of like that, that concept has been perverted into, um, you know, energy mechanics in mobile games. Um, but of course, in that case, it's less about extending the longevity of your game and more about saying, yeah, you can play for half an hour, but if you give us a buck, you can play for another. <laughs> I say they're, they're, that's actually the worst thing because it's like you can do it to the detriment of your health as long as we get a cut. You know, <laughs> as long as you pay us a little bit. As long as we get um, some money from your suicide that you're doing, you know. And so, so from a like success of the business standpoint, I think it probably you know arm, armchair quarterback here a little bit but um it probably would be more in netflix's best interest to um have some of these uh um more popular properties release episodes on a on a schedule well he, like, he, i don't think they can now like yeah. because they've established their brand based on this um this binge watching thing and i think you know people are 
people are reactionary and so they're looking at a combination of like everybody else is starting up their own streaming service right or already has and they're looking in the in the future and saying well in 2021 friends or the office is going to be gone and that's all i watch on netflix for the most part so might as well just cancel it now and buy the dvds or whatever well the 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 big difference here though between any of that and how they've done in the past is that um you can binge that's that's the real thing is that um let's say they release stranger things over three months every once a week and it's a 12 episode show you know show they you can binge it you just wait until the last episode like it's the last episode's yeah. coming this week, and now we sit down and we binge the whole thing. And you've seen it just the end just with everyone else, and you can binge it. So it's not like they're stopping you from doing it. The thing is, is that they're just they're pulling out their their uh, marketing part of it for a long their gains. You know what I mean? From people mm-hmm. coming back and using their service, and more importantly, paying for their service for three months instead of you know yeah. one month. Uh, so it, it just. It's kind of a, a win-win, I think. If if you, it's really weird that I say this because I, I know that in the past, you know, had we had this conversation and no one had done the, a binge thing that wasn't a term, I'm sure I would have said, "Why don't they just release them and let us mm-hmm. let us do that?" You know, and I'm sure I would have said that. Why don't we just do that? We can see it at our own pace, and some people will do it. It's this great mighty experiment we've had with Netflix and it's been greatly successful is a neat thing. So we can all have, it allows us to step back and say, Oh, this is actually better. And we, you know, Mm -hmm. we've, we've had the whole, we ate the whole chocolate cake and we're like, you know what? Maybe we don't need to eat the whole chocolate cake. (laughs) Right. Um, so yeah, that's where we go. So anyway, um, Mandalorian's to get back up on the topic. Mandalorian is coming out, uh, next week and they're going to show one um with all the other disney type things uh i I keep thinking of you know i'm i'm getting it and i've already bought the the year subscription um it's only like with that year subscription it's six dollars a month it's it's you know it's ridiculously cheap um and i mean i go buy a sandwich at subway (laughs) and it costs me more than that um, and I'll get way more entertainment. But I will say, for me, being a big Disney person anyway, I, I don't actually know how much I'm going to get from this because uh, I own a lot of the Disney movies, you know, already. I own mm. lot, most all of the, if not all of, I do own all the Star Wars movies. I own almost all right. the Marvel movies. So it's not like there's a whole lot of things that I'm not getting already. Um Right. There might be a few, but I think it's more the, the original content that I'm going to be looking for and such. But uh, I, I, who knows, mm-hmm. right? Who knows? I, I may spend that first month every once in a while looking at uh, historical things that I've not seen before, seen in a long time, and, and sure, and, and watch those things. But anyway, that's it's it's. Uh, I'm excited for it to come out. I know mm-hmm. that other things like um, um, next year they're putting out a whole lot of original content with Marvel stuff with. Uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision and oh, yeah, Falcon yeah. and the yeah. Winter Soldier and things like that. Uh, Loki. Uh, so there's there's going to be a whole lot of you know great things. We're in a bit of a Marvel Comics lull after Infinity War and right Spider Man Endgame Endgame Spider Man right right so so an, an intentionally planned lull. So, right. So it's 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 you know it's one of those um, fun things that Disney slash Marvel is doing well again. Take note, DC and everyone else. They know when <laughs> to take time off, right? They know when to, that you put something out and we need to let things breathe for a little while. 
Yeah, we talked about this off air about the um, Star Wars mm-hmm. fatigue, which when I heard it and I saw the schedule, I was like, yeah, one movie every Christmas and you alternate between the thing. That sounds fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a certain element of like, I don't know, how often does a James Bond movie come out? Like every two or three, four years? Not super often. Yeah, right. Um, no. the, the These days. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that people still go watch those, mm-hmm. right? Like, Sure. I think they've proven that no amount of time is too long for more Star Wars, right? Like, <laughs> right. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't even matter like how good or bad or well received or, or vice versa. Um, the previous work was like uh, force awakens did incredibly well in the box office, despite yeah. the prequels. Yeah. Right. And that was however long. Yeah, well, 15, I mean, granted 20 it, years. it's a complete, it felt like a complete reboot, right? Sure. I mean, it's, it's um, one of those like you know that's that was a reboot 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 worth of money, you know. What I mean, that, that's what sure. what reboot for. Um, but you but you're right. Even though they the episode three still made tons of money, right? So even though yeah. after episode one and two were terrible, uh, you know. it's um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm again armchair quarterbacking, but I I feel like. You would have to try pretty hard to to do, you know, truly to truly fail in the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, we we uh, a, we talked about from this. an economic yeah. standpoint. Like neither you or I really liked the Last Jedi, but it did very well. A lot of people did like it. It just wasn't necessarily for us. Um, well, and that's what we that's both, what happened with we Solo. both liked Solo, yeah. and it and it conversely didn't do hugely well because it's kind of a niche story. Yeah. And and that's what we talked about. It's not that star Wars is going to do bad. It's that it's not going to do as well as it should have done. Right. That that's the actual thing. It's that, and that's what they say with with Disney says with solo is that it's not that it was a bad movie or that they don't feel good about it or that it didn't make them a profit. It's that it just didn't make as much as it should have made. Had they, Mm. had they from a business standpoint done things a little differently. You know, sure. Let it breathe. This way. So anyway, we're getting off this, the Star Wars thing. But yes, I, I it's neat to to see that, you know, Marvel is giving some some breathing room to their next launch of the of the stuff. Um, and next year is going to be a pretty big one. They're launching with Eternals, their movies. So their movies are going to have big stuff mm-hmm. and they're doing the full integration um, along those lines. Uh, I've got some good news. We haven't had good news in a while. So okay. let's let's talk a little bit of good news. Good news, everyone. Okay, so this um, it's really not good news, I guess. It's bad news, but you know, we just <laughs> talked about how less can be more a little bit here. So I'll, I'll spin this as a positive way. Um, okay, two movie franchises that were that are pretty big or television franchises, however you say it, uh, have just canceled their trilogies. I guess so. Uh, the Game okay. of Thrones had three, I think, prequels planned. And prequel movies? They were shows. Three prequel shows. There were two shows and maybe a movie, I think. Um, I see. And and they. I guess I stopped, I stopped following that news. Yeah, right. But, uh, and just the last week or two, they canceled them. So, okay. so they were supposed to be like, you know, this whole big thing happening with them. And both of them are canceled. And HBO hasn't really said why. Um, 
I, th- I think we all know why. Yeah, I, I mean, old people <laughs> like to say that because the last one wasn't that great. Um, my thought is that I, I, told, I told Sydney, I said, well, maybe it's, she knows how the the author of G.R.R. Martin is like mm-hmm. notoriously pain in the butt. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens with these business things? He could have been like, I want to be able to write them all. And they're like, no. And he's like, then oh. you're not getting my things. And they're like, fine. No. That, right. Right? I mean, who knows what it could be, right? I don't, I don't want to know how many, because I mean, even when there were more seasons coming, people would subscribe to HBO for the season and then unsubscribe. Yeah. I'll bet after that finale, finale, they lost a ton. People who like, you know, would just keep it throughout the year. Yeah. Anyway, you know, saw that saw that ending and within the month after that. Like I'll bet they lost a ton of subscriptions. I, I bet. I mean and so And they they don't really have a whole lot now. I know that the things I used to like to watch with them was Veep and um Silicon Valley and they lost mm-hmm. all those. So I don't know what much is on there. I mean, listeners probably know. I think a new season, maybe the last season of Silicon Valley just started up. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're on the last one. So that's, that's something. Uh, So anyway, yeah, the, the game of Thrones thing is, is no more. I don't know. I mean, everyone knows it's too big of a franchise to just do nothing with. Um, So we'll we'll see. I know that um, the next big fantasy franchise that people are kind of putting a little bit of hope into is the Witcher series. Um, really? Yeah. It feels weird that that's the thing, but that's, uh, that's the thing it's with Henry Cavill, 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 Cavill. Superman mm-hmm. as the Witcher guy. Um, but it's, it's supposed to be very, you know, mature rated R kind of, I mean, it was for the video games and the books. Right, so for right. the, the movie or the show, I mean, it's supposedly to follow that. Um, and the aesthetics look very much like that. Okay, so that's that. And how this ties into the other one is that they also canceled a Star Wars sequels. Not sequels, okay. but three new movies in the Star Wars universe. Trilogies off the off the main Skywalker saga. Yes, right. So Star Wars is, you know, done with Sky with the Skywalker story, which is cool. It's fine. I, I'm I'm good with that. Um no matter how it, it it might end, uh, but doesn't mean that Star Wars is over. They're going to um, Ryan Johnson. We're going re- we're to revisit that statement after we see Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'll say, remember you said you were fine with it, no matter how it ends. Right, and I'm like, girl, you idiots. Right. Um, they, yeah, JJ, <laughs> JJ. Um, so the yeah, if there's Ewoks in there, I swear. Um, anyway, the. Uh, so that'll be done, and Ryan Johnson is going to do a trilogy, which I'm not terribly excited about. Um, right. I don't think a lot of people really care too much about that trilogy. Um, but I, I surely uh, Lucasfilm is looking to – not Lucasfilm, Disney, whoever Lucas is now um, – is looking to start up a new series, right? A new Star Wars Prime-like thing. Um, uh-huh, sure. And the thought was it's going to be one of those two two series. One is made by Ryan, written and directed by Ryan Johnson, three three movies. Another one is written, supposedly written and directed by the D and D. The what, what what are their name? Dennis is this Game of Thrones guys. Uh, Benioff and Vice. Benioff and Vice. The, I'm probably not pronouncing those names right, but yeah, yeah. The the 
maybe not creators, but producers, runner, writers, runners yeah. of uh, of Game of Thrones. Yeah, they were supposed to make um, they were supposed to make the next Star Wars, and that's the one that got canceled. Um, so mm. their OG, you know, Game of Thrones series just got canned, and their Star Wars thing just got canned. So yeah, I don't know if that's. I kind of want to say. Like when you said uh, Ryan Johnson, I'm like, I could see him being given his own story and or coming up with his own story and not, you know, trying to wrap up a bunch of what's in the box questions JJ asked and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if it would be a thing I would like, but I could see it being a thing that I like better than The Last Jedi Uh, for for um, for D&D. I'm going to call him that. So I'm not mispronouncing their names. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they're capable of writing good things. There were some good moments in the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, but we we really got to see the transition between them adapting George R. R. Martin's writing, not to heap too much praise on George R. R. Martin, but the transition from them adapting his writing to them coming up with their own writing, having just an ending that they had to get to. Yeah. And the the quality of the of the pacing and the character development and the depth it just wasn't there, right? Um, and so, yeah, I could see you know if I'm a if I'm an exec at at Disney, Kathleen Kennedy or whoever to go like look at what happened to that franchise, Game of Thrones, between season five and season eight, and go, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe these aren't those guys. Although the fact that they're I guess scrapping the whole project instead of replacing directors, which happens a lot in um, various franchises. Yeah. Looking at uh, uh, Justice League again. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that that was the decision to scrap it instead of just replacing them uh, with some other directors. The, the thought but with that, that, I don't know how all that stuff works. I, I don't either, but I do know that that thing you just said about like they scrapped it instead of just changing it and modifying it. Uh, has got the Reddit rumor mill going uh, pretty decent on the idea that, well, maybe they are looking at someone like a Kevin Feige or Kevin Feige himself to take over the Star Wars thing underneath his producing wing too. And so- oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a give a Michael Daniels ask like I call BS on that. That's a, <laughs> that's a hundred percent fanboy right. uh, wishful thinking there. Right. They're like, let's take the the hero of, of the Marvel cinematic universe and what if he was in charge instead of I agree. mean old Kathleen Kennedy, then yeah. we could finally have our, you know, dad centric Star Wars movies <laughs> like like Endgame. Right. I think I think that they- Not that I wouldn't love to see that, but I'm like that's yeah. that's I, I don't know. That's if I, too good to be, to hope. Right. You know. I don't know if I would want to see that because I don't. Know, I, I think Feige is a Marvel guy. I think he's a comic book guy. That's what he. Why mm. why he's good at this. I what I liked out of that, like I said, Reddit rumor mill is the 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 concept that people are asking for a showrunner, right? They're asking for yeah. a, a thing. And Kathleen Kennedy, I I think she's a fine uh, producer and and you know person movie exec and i actually read up some of her her like what's it called her resume type things and she's done great things and made great movies and things but sure, it yeah. star wars definitely needs a that kind of you know guiding hand type thing because it, it's more than just a a movie right or it, yeah. it needs to have a guiding hand very much like that 
Um, and so what they if they don't have a you know Kevin Feige, which I don't think they would have, they would he would actually do it, but they should put someone who can be like these are going to be my universe, and I'm going to shepherd it. You know who who knows maybe Zack Snyder's available, right? <laughs> yeah, some yeah, if that's super dark kind of dark. Uh, well, okay. So anyway, that's yeah. That, that's some the, someone to keep. Not that you know the various directors that they've had. I'm I'm sure they all, to varying degrees, you know, love this world and this franchise. I can't imagine. So you know, people say what they will about Ryan Johnson, but I don't think anybody who I don't think anybody making a movie of that expense sets out to kill a franchise or hates the franchise. No. Um, and we know we you know we've. I've seen and heard stuff with J.J. Abrams that he loves Star Wars, but you really need someone at the top of the big picture going, yeah, but we need to consider like two, three movies down the line. What is this going to do? And not just, you know, if you're going to run, you know, a connected multi-film story. I mean, we saw the MCU do that and it wasn't flawless from start to finish. Um but for the most part, the pieces were there. And yeah, they had to do time travel and a little bit of retconning. But they brought it together in a satisfying way that the fans felt feelings about good or, right. or bad or sad or tragic or sobbing in the theater. Um, that's an effective uh, a piece of entertainment. Yeah. Right? I, I, I got to say that, you know, having that with a, a Star Wars would be would be super helpful for for sure. Um, and, and you could do yeah. it. It's It's a great universe with some you know core kind of good stuff that that can work the the thing with the um having directors do like like you said they they don't want to set out to ruin a franchise but directors are or writers can do this um i want it to be my thing i want to make it my thing right instead instead of having the no your thing isn't the spirit of of this so for example we have a perfect example out right now and that's the joker movie it's that it's a fine movie. I God knows it's making a ton enough money, but mm-hmm. it's it's not a Joker movie. And I think most people who've even been fans and watched it, they're they, they're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. It's not it's not that. It's not a Batman thing, right? It's mm. and, which is like, and the director, writer, and the actors are all like, yeah, we intentionally set out to pull the wool out of your eyes. You know what I mean? Over mm. your eyes. We we did we we were given a Joker, the Joker franchise, but said like, let's make it this instead. So, sure. and, and that's what something, you know, like not to the extent of Joker, but that's, the last not necess- I did. that's not necessarily always malicious, right? Like no. if, if you or I, or, or anybody set out to, um, you know, make a Mesa, how do I, how do I even want to say this? Like if, if I were a director and sat down to make star Wars, it would, have my voice in it right like my the things that i like and the way that i look at the world and the you know it's the sort of the the problem with Zack snyder like he clearly looks at the world in a certain way that just doesn't fit with the superman i mean i've said that a dozen times on this podcast but um it doesn't even have to be that intentional like i might not sit down to go i'm gonna make my star wars movie but without any external influence i would naturally be making my star wars movie just because that's how you know create creativity works well that's what that's what they did with um 
oh, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, James Gunn still made his Marvel movie, right? Like, the, and Feige lets them do that. They still want to keep Tahiti. I can't say his name. The guy that did uh, Thor Ragnarok. Like, they want him to make his movie, right? The kind of he, Taiko Waititi. That's it. Yeah, it's a very good. I could not have. Uh, <laughs> I pulled that one out. But. Uh, you know, but they, they want him to make their own movie. But they, they, again, like you said, they have somebody who says, you make your own movie with your own stuff, but Peter Quill is this, right? Yeah. And, and they say Rocket is this and Groot is that. To just keep some reins on it. Right. Now, to say, I mean, it's like TV shows that have multiple writers. Like, they have to have producers somewhere going, yeah, and some of that's collaborative. You know, sometimes it's... It's by the actors in like a TV setting mm-hmm. where some of the actors are going to go, yeah, this is not how uh, my character would would say this because of X, Y, Z. You know, right. they have more um, intimate familiarity with that character. Well, but, the, the thing with yeah. um, in in the Marvel universe is that they, they do make change, big changes. And I will point again to Thor on that one is that Thor was one character. And then, you know, the director wanted to write this kind of movie and kevin feige felt that it was a good time uh chris hemsworth thought that there was a time for a change in the tone of the character and Mm. and they they kind of came together and all decided that this was gonna and it's but at the end of the day it was kevin feige saying this is what we we're okay with this being thor in the future right thor is going to be comedy kind of type thing in the future um and and had had they done that to star wars and came in and said, now Luke is a clown, mm. people would have lost their minds. <laughs> right? But but that's it's just because, the, you know, then uh, they followed it right up, the Thor Ragnarok, with another thing that was a fun movie with Thor. And Thor was fun. And it was like, okay, this, this all works because we're tying it all together with other stuff. And anyway, th- that's the Kevin Feige thing. That they, and they need somebody like that. And hopefully... By canceling these these other these movies, they're gonna they want to give somebody a chance to say, okay, let's as a big whole sit down and talk Star Wars, you know, and and what it, right. what it's gonna be, and and maybe we'll get that in the next you know couple of years or whatever. Maybe they'll maybe they'll hire George Lucas. Yeah, right. Hopefully they'll they'll hire like do what they're doing with the Marvel stuff and making it part of Disney Plus. You know, like maybe it's a mm. you know the solo movies comes to the Disney Plus while the you know, you get a little bit of the background or the rope ones, you know what I mean? Come to. Yeah. Come to some of the smaller stories. Yeah. Which would be cool. All right. So that's Disney plus. We talked a lot about that. Hey, uh, real quick as a, not a real thing, but I, cause I don't want to spend time on it, but we, uh, I just kind of want to acknowledge that we have another podcast that did come out. You mentioned it a little bit that we spent this last weekend doing the BlizzCon thing. Mm-hmm. So it, we people who are listening to this who are, are some of you are more gamers than anything out there that's your you're trying to listen to us for that uh obviously we're blizzard people and um we uh, dennis did get the virtual ticket and we did spend the entire weekend watching all of blizzcon in a very glorious style with all of the streams <laughs> on all of the stuff happening all at all once on, and playing the games all at the same time in the same room and it was pretty amazing that though we're not going to talk about a whole lot because if you want to hear more about that, we've got an extra uh, episode in that's already published. Right? We we put that release that today. Yeah, I I I put that up today. So by the time you hear 
this, us talking, um, an episode went up last Monday, November 4th, mm-hmm. of, about midday as opposed to our normal uh, roughly 7.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Eastern release time uh, for the for the numbered episodes. We had our special edition uh, BlizzCon episodes. So, yeah, we're not really going to talk about video games tonight because we talked about them for over an hour yesterday. Right. And put that up last week but we did we you know for if if those who are only light uh overview game people and don't see a lot of that news diablo 4 was something that was announced uh overwatch 2 there's a lot of good information about that kind of stuff we talk about yep. um some new hearthstone gameplay modes uh and yeah we'll probably talk about that hearthstone thing next week yeah so so I, i'll get access to the beta and... right so we're, we will talk about some of these things going forward as they happen but um, if you want all the the good, you know, bio, Bioware goody news and what we thought of it, um, then check out our our extra little uh, Blizzard Bioware, not Bioware, I said Bioware, Blizzard thing. Uh, A bonus episode, yeah, right. Uh, hey, dude. So, can we talk about our show we watched this last week? <laughs> I know, I know. Let me just yeah, try it. yeah. Okay, so let me. As I do, pull up IMDb so I can... So this is our uh, 2020 challenge. Okay, so this is the Rocky Horror Picture Show made in 1945. By, <laughs> 1975. By Charlie Chaplin, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1975, um, Jim Sharman is the director, uh, starring Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, and a bunch of other people that people older than me might recognize. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's how I. That's my. That's my words. I, I reviewed it right there. Okay. So. Yeah. So I'll, I'll. At some point in this, we're going to summarize the story. So I'm going to hit the spoiler bell. If you want to not be spoiled by the quote unquote story of this <laughs> quote unquote movie. That was very well said, Dennis. This quote-unquote movie. Uh, this is hard. Like all of the, all of the musical theater fan, especially Gen Xers, uh, listening are going to yell at their phone. And um, yeah, they're they're all going to. We're accepting that. First off, it's very important to know all of you Rocky Horror Picture Picture Show fans. Dennis and I have never seen this before, and we never never experienced it in any way except like a vague you know notion in my in my cultural awareness to say this is a thing and it's weird and the people who like it really really like it and and experiencing it is and it uh is a um well is an experience yeah and 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 i know that that what you're saying gonna and you're gonna say on here but just let us know i want you to know we're aware of it that I'd say it's got to be 90% of this movie is about the experience and how you experienced it, not necessarily watching the movie. But we had to watch this movie as just sitting in a room by ourselves type thing and watching or with a friend or family member and watch this movie as a movie. So that's what we're going to talk today is like the movie as a movie, not as a let's go out and dress up in a party. and And as a as a whatever, a little bit of positive spin mm-hmm. um i have been i have been told that the true way to experience is experience this show is as a live show on stage not in this movie format um which i can see that's true of some uh 
stage musicals. I'm trying to think of some good examples. Um, because some film adaptations have been, you know, have been done very well. Um, and there are cases where people know the movie version. I'm thinking of like Rogers and Hammerstein stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't, I didn't they, realize that this was a, I mean, I knew it was a musical, but I didn't realize it was a stage musical. Yeah. I think I made the mistake of glancing at the, uh, um, at the rotten tomatoes thing and, and seeing, because some of the, I think it's another one of those where the audience scores are really high and the critic critic scores are kind of low. Um, and some of the negative ones floated to the top and people were like, yeah, all of the charming, delightful, hilarious things, uh, that happen on stage don't translate onto the screen. Sure. Um, and I could see that. So we'll, we'll just put that aside. Yeah. Uh, now uh, we we apparently are experiencing this in a, if not the wrong way not the ideal way yes the ideal way is with a group of people who all know the songs and are all singing along and it's being performed on stage not necessarily on screen right but we we don't review it as that that's that's what's kind of important here is that uh, you know I like right I I'm, really I'm just... enjoy the music well wicked. Or let's say I really liked the play of Wizard of Oz. But if we watched The Wizard of Oz, we wouldn't be saying, yo, you, we're going to talk about how awesome the play made us feel and that we were happy to watch it on stage. Yeah, I'm right. just sort of pre-apologizing for the sure. people who are saying, you're not supposed to do that, you're supposed to do that. Right. And, okay, and, and that's we, what I'm saying. And I'm saying that, that... We know that. Yeah, and we're telling them, like, we're, if that's the reason that, that you say you like this movie is because the, sta- the stage musical is amazing, then that's a whole other thing. And if I saw it that way, then maybe. But then maybe. as a movie, so, I will say, I this is not for me. It's just not for me. Like, right. th- there's do you want to... Like about that. Uh, do you want to try and summarize the story? Oh, I'll let you kind of summarize the, okay. the quote-unquote okay. story. That's that's going to be you today. Okay, so so first of all, like all of the best musicals, well, I'm, I'm being a little bit <laughs> facetious with that, but like all the best musicals, uh, the story is here just to fill in and transition between all of the songs. Some truly amazing, uh, I'm going to say, david bowie-esque music yeah that's a good some one of, some yeah. of it actually might be david bowie but the, <laughs> you know it's 1975 it's right in this um this peak of i'm not even sure what you call this it's a little it's a little bit glam rock not not quite glam it's definitely not into the like progressive rock we're not into the 80s new wave stuff yet definitely this big theatrical kind of rock that was happening in the 70s um the big uh, song, there were a couple that I recognized, but the big one that I think of as a song everybody knows, probably everyone does not know, um, is uh, the Time Warp. Time Warp Let's do right. the Time Warp again. Um, so the story goes, this newly married couple is on their way to their honeymoon, I believe, mm-hmm. and their car breaks down, and they go to this big, spooky, scary mansion stopping along the way for a big song in the rain uh which was ridiculous but that stuff felt like it's a combination of like um parroting like in a mel brooks kind of way it's like making fun of musical theater but also just truly like celebrating and reveling in the 
ridiculousness of musical theater. Oh, for sure. I mean, th- this movie is definitely ridiculous and all around, and it knows it, and it's supposed to be that way. It's intentional, right? And it and it fully owns it. And then they go into this house uh, that's full of weird, crazy people, and they're all singing. And then the master of the house shows up. It's Tim Curry. He is a they use a word that I don't think is the word you're supposed to use now, transvestite. No, I, um, I, I think I think he's supposed to be a transvestite, but I don't – I mean, he is, but I don't – I mean, under what I understand what a transvestite is, I don't know if that's what he is. It's weird because that's in the 70s what they called it, but I don't know if they knew what it meant. Yeah, like the terms, the words and labels and things have changed in the last 45 years. Um, yeah. And I'm – so it's a, it's, it's a weird, but, but that's an important part. I mean, the, the fact that he's a, a transvestite is core to the show. He's from Transylvania. Would you say? Would you say that he's in drag? He's in drag, and that's the big thing yeah. is that he's actually uh, like, like uh, I guess today they would call it drag queen. That's what it would be. Or I th- I think so. This right. is and you know awkward from us and we apologize to anyone that we're unintentionally yeah do not do not mean to offend in any way because of our ignorance of of proper terms today uh he's he's you know he's got a lot of makeup he's wearing a corset and and stockings and heels and probably a wig um and he's from transsexual transylvania which you find out later is another planet yeah i guess it's not super important um <laughs> most things in here aren't super important that's that's the biggest thing right uh he he creates a a you know a frankenstein's monster which is just a a guy who looks like a you know a bodybuilder right um and he it's at one point he, he has a he has all these gadgets and technology and he has something called a medusa ray that turns the monster and one of the, 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 there's a there's a guy who shows up the do, oh, the man. doctor or the professor the, the story is so confusing mm-hmm. he brings a guy out of or a guy breaks out of his cell who rides around on a motorcycle and it's meatloaf of yeah. you know i would do anything for love right. meatloaf that meatloaf and he sort of goes crazy and he's doing like elvis style well he's doing a meatloaf song yeah um and uh the tim curry character who's uh dr frank inferter um kills him like with a pickaxe which is the most like straightforward scary violent thing that happens in this whole right. story um and then later his uncle shows up who's a guy in a wheelchair and frank inferter turns him and the monster who's called rocky and the two um Brad and Janet, the married couple, turns them all to stone. And then he sets up a thing on a stage and brings them back to life. And they're all There's in drag. Stuff that, yeah, they're all in drag and they're like fully into his lifestyle. And then his housekeeper and butler, who've been variously involved in this, the butler's a little bit of an Igor kind of archetype. They confront him and they're dressed in, you know, 70s not not 70s it's like 50s space alien outfits <laughs> um that they have to take him home like his lifestyle his lifestyle's too extreme the earthlings are going to notice you know all of this craziness and they have to go home to transylvania and the the couple escapes and goes on their way in between 
the whole story, we jump out into this, um, you know, old library, old, you know, narrator in a library uh, setting where the guy is addressing the audience and explaining stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the the castle, the haunted haunted house, the mansion um, takes off up into the sky on rockets and <laughs> they 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 do one last song in the in the big outro and that's that's, that's that, the story that's, that, that's the story so this is not a story it, I, I mean it's it, i it is i, I don't want to talk i can't talk too much about it because the word the phrase we like to say is we don't have a lot to say i it's the best i can say is it's not for me there there was nothing entertaining it was just the music was I, oh i know that song like oh i know the time warp right like Mm-hmm. now i can see it but a lot of times that the the songs that they would sing had nothing really to do with what was happening or anything it's just like <laughs> let's put in a weird musical number sure. right in here that didn't you know because good musicals will have the songs that further the story or tell about the characters or you know it's part of what's going on in the in the thing and they're singing it instead of saying it um, yeah and and this one it was just like okay here's just a weird musical number for whatever reason um and the 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 characters they just they didn't have any kind of rhyme or reason to them they made no logical sense and it just i don't know there was nothing it felt like this movie is supposed to be watched on substances and mm. and, and i don't mean that in a necessarily derogatory way but like if you're high maybe this is phenomenal because it's so <laughs> I- out there Sure. I don't know if I would go that far. As far as the story and how much, you know, how how important the story is, I think there was more story to this than a show like Hello, Dolly, okay. or even uh, Anti-Mame, um, the latter being a show that I was in right after college. Um, some of those uh, stage musicals, especially the earlier... Um, like, uh, like Pirates of Penzance, mm-hmm. um, pre, like pre World War II, like you go way back into like vaudeville, um, Gilbert and Sullivan kind of stuff. It really was just spectacle. Like there didn't have to be very much story at all. If, if any story, like you would have a scene with characters talking and they do a thing and I'm like, what is going on in this story that okay. I'm supposed, it was just nonsense. Um, where this I could follow the story. There was plenty of chaos and nonsense, but I I sort of understood what was happening. Right. And um, and, and I I I get that, but I also felt that maybe the people I'm trying I'm not trying to reach here, trying to find reasons what people is that you know Benny Hill was a big thing in the, was it 60s is that right? And a lot, there was a lot of so. good popular things that were like just off the wall, off beat type things things that were like Mm -hmm. like you said spectacle that's the best word it's like the thing is that there it's a show a movie that has a transvestite in it and they and and it's a movie where a guy is trying to get with a guy and that is unheard of in like this you know in a big stage movie i want thing i wondered about that myself um and i don't know so I don't know if I have anything more I need to say in the spoiler section before we move into sure. final judgments. Are you are you good? Yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, the the see the spoiler stuff. 
it had a horror to it. That's why it was a horror picture with the pickaxe and then the eating meatloaf thing. Um, and a, you know, big haunted, not haunted, but a big creepy mansion. Yeah. But, but I think it was, it, it was more of, you know, playing off that genre for fun. It definitely wasn't like, it wasn't scary in any way. Right. No. I, I think it was just a parody of scariness. Kind of, kind of the way that scary a scary movie is not actually a scary movie. <laughs> right, right, right. Although it's probably more of a scary movie than this is. <laughs> Maybe it's, right. It's it's too goofy to even really right. be taken. Okay, seriously. so we can go over to recap. Okay, in in final judgments, the thing I'll say about this is, um, it's just it's not for me, and I don't think it is for either of us. But mm. I'll let you I'll let you speak for yourself. I felt like. Um, a the the pushing the envelope stuff with um, Tim Curry's outfits and and characterization, like none of that feels edgy in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I felt like maybe if I were in a group of people, if I knew all these songs, and even more so if I were in a group of people who all knew these songs, I could enjoy this thing. I, you know, have I've I've done musical theater in the past like i'm not mm-hmm. uh um you know uh anti-musical anti yeah sure anti-musical or or any of that but i was like i have not like whatever needed to happen for me to be able to truly enjoy this there was a lot of it that i you know sort of enjoyed just from a kind of laugh at how ridiculous this is which i think is the whole thing Right. Um, That's the only thing I can think of is to laugh at how ridiculous it is. If I had been in whatever group of people in whatever circumstance back in college and seen this, even then it would have been, you know, uh, you know, um, um, like nostalgic. It would have been a relic even then in the early 2000s. Um, I could potentially come back to it every couple of years with the right group of people and like sing along with the songs and just this this whole goofy thing. But I'm like, i I missed whatever whatever window that was for that uh to happen for me. So Right. I and, and I, I have that I have that same ahead. kind of feeling. I, I know that I watch I can appreciate dumb and goofy. I and not just appreciate it, I like a lot of dumb and goofy. Uh sure. we we uh my buddy or our buddy Trotsky and I have we like to watch Kung Fury and Ping Pong Summer. And those are completely dumb. People who like Napoleon Dynamite, things like that. I like Bill and Ted movies. They're just dumb, right? There, there's nothing that's helping you or doing it all. But this one was not my kind of dumb at all. Not that I didn't like it. I just didn't. There was nothing for me here. Um, yeah. And and I even the music. And I'm a, and I would say I'm pro musical. I like musicals a lot. Um, and this one was not any kind of music. The, that I liked as well or that I could appreciate. So I have no idea how this one lands on anyone's must see movies. If you're talking about movies. Now, if you're talking about experiences that you do, like going to a party or going to a, a fair or a festival, because it's, it's an iconic thing you do in life. Sure. For a movie that you must see in your life, definitely not on my, on my list, nowhere near, my list whatsoever so i am casting this one off my top 100 list <laughs> i would assume it's the uh, same for you yeah so i you know longtime listeners of the show will know that i i'm generally more 
let's say apologetic. Like if a movie is on this list, on this poster, um, I try to put myself in the mind of someone who put this movie on the list. I try to say what what was the rationale? What what were the boxes you were trying to tick? What um what did it mean for you, you know, that you put X movie on instead of Y? Mm-hmm. You know, if you put Life of Brian on instead of Holy Grail, sure. Money Python, that makes sense. Yeah. Space. Um, if you have a box to fill to say musical or goofy musical or old musical, um, I can't think of one where you put this. You put this on this list. And and that's reinforced by the people I talk to who enjoy this show say the movie is not the way to consume it. Yeah. Is not the way to enjoy it. And so I'm saying if you've never been exposed to this and you're going through a list of a hundred movies that you should see before you die, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get whatever you're supposed to get out of this work um from just watching this movie in isolation. Right. So uh, uh, for perhaps the first time on this list, um, <laughs> I can't. I can't think. I'm like fully, like no, scratch it, <laughs> take, scratch take, it off, no, take it with, off that list with with no like caveats. If you're, you know, if you're a person who enjoys the show, then it's not. Then it's not on this list. It's on your, you know, personal top 100 favorite movies, and that's not what this is. Yeah, and, it, and it's or it's on on a hey. You need to go with me to a an October Rocky Horror Picture Show festival event, and that right. that's what kind of thing it's in. Or or you can tell, or um, I I think it was our buddy Chris had said like, oh, I saw it in high school with this on a Friday night at midnight, and you know that's an event that you remember in your life from the event, not necessarily the movie. So yeah, can you think of off the top of your head your favorite? Let's say. Pre, uh, Les Mis, the the movie Russell Crowe mm-hmm. adaptation. Could you think of off the top of your head your favorite musical movie? Um, see, I like a lot of old stuff too. Like, I like uh, like that's what I mean. I'm looking for old stuff so we don't just. Like, say I like British Pirates Roman. of Penzance and things like that. I mean, and I I was in um like Oklahoma. Um, I like that. Uh, what man. about a movie form? In movie form, um, it put me on the spot. Like, it's, I, yeah. I, I can't think of anything. I right just now. thought of it myself, so I don't. I don't know that if I have an answer. I mean, because I, I, I do. I mean, I said I liked Les Mis as is one of them, and that's actually not one of yeah. my most favorite ones. Um, but uh, I liked Phantom of the Opera. I, you know, I liked mm-hmm. that one was pretty good when, when they made that one. Um, oh, I mean, Wizard of Oz is a musical, right? Yeah. So that's fantastic. And um yeah, I mean and I love Wicked, that's not a movie, but you know, it hopefully someday will be a, a movie. <laughs> and some people like cats. Cats is coming out, so a a lot of a lot of people like cats. That'll be a that'll be a thing. Yeah. Um so anyway, yeah, Into the Woods, that's another one that, that people did recently that was out. Okay. I've I haven't seen that one. Uh my my kids both loved that a whole lot. So and, and if you consider any Disney movie ever put out as a musical right. than, than every of, single one. All of the Disney musicals. Let It Go yeah. and, you know, There's Frozen. That. And those are all mm-hmm. musicals. So, yeah. And, yeah, uh, and they would fit more into this category. Okay, so what do we got next coming on there? I was kind of tempted to try something off the list that's one last 
horror movie, but you know, I think I'm, I think I'm spent on it. There's a movie that was made in Evansville, Indiana, um, that looks like true horror, but I don't, I don't think I want to do that. Okay. Let's look. I, I think if I remember looking right, it was like we this started. is Spinal Tap, right? And that was at least that's mm-hmm. what's in our order. Uh, yeah, since we skipped American Psycho, which uh, my sister Sarah watched Rocky Horror with me, and she was like. I really wish we had watched America. <laughs> That's right. I like Sarah. She uh, was just talking about. Yeah, this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> it uh, goes to eleven. Uh, yeah, I, I have not seen this one, so this is a uh, good good Nor to watch. I. It's a, another seventies right show, or is it eighties something uh, like that? Nineteen eighty four. Okay, eighties. Um, it's a mockumentary. It's a, I'm told. Right? A mock. Yeah, it's like one of the first fictitious um, uh, documentaries about a fictitious band i believe well but, maybe, maybe we yeah. get to watch this one from that standpoint from the like and i'm gonna do a little research before i see here it's like if this is the first mockumentary ish movie you know because that's probably a new form of yeah it might story it might not be this is um this is directed and and starring rob reiner rob so, reiner yeah. okay all right and it's and it's a short one hour 22 oh wow cool I mean, that's back in the 80s. That's when movies' normal lengths were, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Then Lord of the Rings came out, and it's all over. But, uh, yeah, okay, so this this is Spinal Tap. I will have to have to watch that one. Anyway. All right, what uh, what else have we got here? Well, we, we played a couple games this week, and you, not only did you come down for um, uh, BlizzCon, we, BlizzCon, we had some tailgating happening, and mm, we, we, mm-hmm. we played a, a card game that was bought at Gen Con. Uh, called Glorious Maximus. Remember that we played that Go- in the Hoosier Bowl. Go- it's Glorious Maximus. Glorious Maximus. I say Glorious because the Maximus. the cards were all like gross and and bloody. Right. Which which I mean, not physically the art on them. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a game that the theme has nothing at all whatsoever to do with the gameplay mechanics. I mean, yeah, they might all. have found some way to shoehorn it in there, but it's a little bit like Love Letter, where you're like. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess if you really think about it, that I have no idea how they sort this one of into makes there. sense. But Th- this game is euchre. It's a trick-taking game. It's not euchre. I should sorry, people will think it's euchre and not want to play it. But it's a trick-taking game. Meaning, yeah, that, if you yeah. don't if you don't know what trick-taking game means, it means it's a lot like euchre or what spades, hearts, um, and and for people who aren't who are younger than fifty. Um, that, that means, that means that, uh, that you play, there's a, a suit of like a normal deck of cards. This game has basically kind of like a normal deck of cards. And if, uh, the first card played is a spade or a, any kind of card, um, let's say if you're playing magic, it's, it's, it's a, a mana card. That's a fire red mana. You play that first and then everyone else has to play that exact same color of card, uh, with the highest number wins. And and, right. and that's you know and there's a little bit of nuances to it and trick means that you you win that hand you took that trick or it's that, called that it's, hand it's called a trick which is some you know the sort of thing. archaic term that's carried over um, right. from wherever these games originated you took that a round lot of them, right. uh, from from England because the cards have royals on it they have they're kings and queens they're sure. not presidents and uh, other things like that and so right. that's that's the idea of a trick it's like x number of players usually four. In this case, the game goes up to eight, but sure. one person plays. Everybody has to what they say follow suit. So play a card of the same suit as the card that was led, and then whoever has the highest card 
after everyone plays one, um, wins, and then that affects how you score. In some games, right. you don't want to take the trick. This game has some uh, unique um, elements of the scoring where it's not just based on the trick, but the trick will be made up of cards, and some of those cards have point values that are printed on there. A couple of them are negative. Um, so win- so winning, winning a hand could be actually get you negative points because it could, the point value right. total in the pile could be less than zero. So th- that's, that's this game. And, and there's, there's a little bit of mechanics here and there with like, like you said, there's there, you, it's kind of card counting. You got to know how many eights there. There's only one card that gives negatives out there. Right. And, and so, so knowing where it's out, how many was out. Um, and there are five suits instead of four. Right. So, so besides those things, that's, we just said, most of the game and and it's yeah it doesn't stray too far from that it's a simplistic game and that it's just like mm-hmm. all the others with a v- very few other things now i won it and i won it in th- the three rounds in a row but it feels like that game could probably go on for a long time yeah right if everyone's trying equally we had a couple players checked out right uh you know not giving their full attention to the game i my biggest issue with this game was the theme. This feels like a game that I could teach to my family. It plays eight. It's, you know, it's like Euchre, but you can play with eight. It has a flexible group. Like, you can only play Euchre with exactly four players. Yeah, and you have to have teams and stuff, and it's a little... And they're, and they're teams, you know, they're partners. And so everybody has to be on a kind of equal skill level for it to be entertaining and competitive for everyone involved this is much much more flexible which is great right but the cards are all covered with like bloody monsters and stuff i'm like that's i can't (laughs) can't. i can't play that game with my parents like or you know my 10 year old niece it's you know right um, which which seems to like it's a deal breaker it fits into that genre where you do you play it like it's it's like a well, because Euchre and those games are ones you play at Thanksgiving or holidays it, because, right? It, it, the gameplay feels like it should be a family-friendly game. Right. And that's, you know, whatever. I'm sure there are people out there saying that's what they like about it, and that's fine. I don't dislike that personally. I just, if I'm going to play a simple, straightforward, you know, standard card game-esque game, I would like it to be family-friendly. Right. And and that, that didn't bother me. My actual thing, for me personally, my thing was that, like, I the theme didn't have any bearing. Like I, I didn't, you remembered the cards. I didn't remember. The only thing I remember about the cards was that they were gold tipped and that shined on the corners. That's, I mean, on the edges, I mean, so that, that honest, they, honestly, I was mostly looking at the numbers. I just remember the, the art style because, um, when we did the, the one-off episode with our buddy Fox, um, he talked about the theme. I mean, and it's called Gorius Maximus. So it's like maximum gore, uh, Right. kind of thing and i'm like okay yeah i guess that's yeah. cool so so yeah it, I, this as we say with our buddy fox when he does his stuff uh, this is recommended if you like euchre i mean if you like euchre and you want uh, a little bit easier less um pressure sensitive game with eight players instead of four or two sure. on two then this is definitely the game for you because it's just, that's how straightforward it is. It definitely feels like it fits. Uh, okay. So when I was a kid and we only had playing cards to play with, there were tons of people that made up games with those cards, 
right? There's just right. a ton of cards with these 52 deck games. This feels like that. Somebody just made a different game with cards. Um, right. The other thing I'll say, and I, I'm trying not to be too hard on this game. I'm not being hard either. I don't want to say it's as bad. It's, it's just nothing. You know, I'll give a I'll give a Mike Daniels esque. Uh, it was fine. It was, but I feel yes. Um, the and granted, I think all of us playing except for Sid were varying levels of inebriated. So right. that's but that's a factor too. Like how playable is a game when somebody's had a couple beers already? Um, you know, you dr- run the the gamut of you know five card stud all the way down to what we used to call indian poker that i'm pretty sure you can't call that anymore where you hold the card on your forehead and you don't know Mm -hmm. what your card is um the rules for trump which is not related to the president Mm -hmm. trump but in these trick-taking games trump is the term for whatever the uh, mechanic is where your card um supersedes all the other cards right if somebody leads clubs and everybody else is playing clubs but hearts are trump if you can't follow suit which is what the expression means if you don't have any clubs you can't play the card that's required by that rule then you can play whatever and if you have a card of trump like hearts in this example well now you're winning regardless of you know having having clubs or not um in this game the way that worked was you played a card of the same value the same number mm-hmm. so if the brown cards are lead and somebody plays a nine and you play a gold nine well now you're winning but everybody else still has to play um brown if they can right um and the the numbers went back and forth. Like, it wasn't complicated, but I felt like people were asking for clarification every round. Yeah. Um, and so it, it clearly was at least a little bit complicated. And maybe if you, you know, most of us are either not, have not played Euchre or have not played Euchre in so long. Euchre is right. a very popular um, Midwestern game, especially in Indiana. Yeah, Euch- but, Euchre was a game that actually confused me. I mean, it really did, and I could never play it. I played games my whole life, and I definitely played tons of card games, and Euchre was the one where I was like, I don't care how many times you explain it to me. I just could not <laughs> get it right head wrapped around it it. It, it. it is kind of a weird concept. So if people, you know, most of our friends are gamers, but in the sense of, like, we're always playing a new game, and if we play a card game, it's something like Magic or other deck building or collectible card games where there's a lot of text explaining the nuances of the rules this is like you have to remember you have to remember that if you play a nine it's a different color nine now you're winning but everybody else still has to play the same color or you know if you play the jack yeah and the you know like in euchre if hearts are trump the jack of diamonds is the second highest card the jack of hearts is the highest card it's weird when you're first learning it um but because we don't most of us don't still play euchre on a regular basis like maybe we did as kids or in in high school or whatever it's further back in our in our minds or we never learned it at all yeah to keep that kind of strange nuanced nuance isn't even the the right word for it it's just a it's a unique thing to this style of game right 
So, um, so this is definitely like if you like that and you you've played that, then this probably is good for you. And and if you, yeah, you know, especially if you're you've got older parents who who do know and still play euchre, then this is this is great. This is fine for it. And, and, yeah, it, and they'll be, be able to grasp that concept. Yeah, and, and most of the stuff will be. But for me, it was no more than that. I will put it that way. It's it's no more than another card game, like the old. But, deck card game things which is fine it was it was very good at what it was trying to be right okay so we also played um another game there was there's several games in the series of the tiny games there's um tiny epic tiny epic games uh this one happened to be tiny epic mechs and i bought this back at gen con it would had not been released yet uh it was a kickstarter i believe uh campaign thing and they were selling them at gen con exclusively and i picked it up i bought one of these i bought yeah. tiny epic defenders i think okay and it was it was one of those that i kick-started and then it never got played and i either still have it around somewhere or i sold it at the auction i don't remember it's a it's a franchise of games where they are trying to get a lot of game in a very small box yes and this is a generally. little box it's like four by three or something like that it's it's not Four inches by three inches, something that's, you know, by two inches or an inch and a half deep. It's not very much. Um, And they use meeples and things. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it's called Tiny Epic Mechs. It is the basic core mechanic is a Robo Rally game. It's a programming game like Mechs versus Minions. You, everyone has the same eight cards that say like, go right, go left, go back, go forward, you know, turn and maybe two specials or something. And they're all the same. And then you put, play your four cards, and then you have a little robot, which is a little meeple on the screen, or on the screen, on the board. And mm-hmm. it, and you just turn over, everybody turns over their first card in order, and you, your guy moves that space. And then it goes or, to you do all four. Now, for me, that, and that's your robo-rally kind of type of thing. To me, I never liked those. It's just chaos. It, it makes no sense. Things change like crazy. It's unpredictable. And people eat that up. For me, it just was, it's random. But this game... By the way, the core mechanics is that you power up and you actually take your meeple and put it into like a suit of armor, which is neat. And then it can that meeple can go into a super armor in the middle, which is actually like a two-inch tall mech mm. type thing, mm-hmm. which is kind of neat. Um, and then there are weapons attached. You attach to them and swords. And so this game has the programming mechanic, but then quickly gets around it with all sorts of things. Like if right. you get into battle, then no longer are you programming. You're just ad hocing. You're just putting it, choosing it at your own, which is a neat mechanic. And it's, well, and unlike unlike Robo Rally, there's nothing on the board that moves you around, yeah. and the cards are not like move, turn, move this way, do a turn this way, rotate this way. Sort of. Um, I played a couple games of Mechs versus Minions, and you guys played that for a while, right? Um, over at Trotsky's. Um, all the cards in this game are just an arrow. The arrow goes one way, and depending on how you orient it on the table, determine which way you go. And then they have different actions. The actions are more important than the arrows. Yes. I mean, they're both important, but the arrows are just arrows, and you lay them down relative to the board, and nothing's going to move you around. So it has nothing like the level of... Uh, unpredictable chaos that Robo Rally has for sure, and that, and that's when I, as I was reading the rules and going through this thing, I thought 
that it was going to be Robo Rally, and I was kind of disappointed with it. But mm-hmm. it, as I played it in the very first round, I immediately was like, "Oh, this is nothing like that at all." It has that little right. bit of mechanic, but it, it's nothing like you said. It's the other parts that are way more important than all the stuff. Um, so I don't want to go too much into the mechanics of it beyond that because there is a lot more with weapons and shooting and combat mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I I did not win. Um, Pat did, and mm-hmm. pretty handily. Um, and I felt that at the end of the game, I was pretty destroyed with between the two of you. Um, but but I still had a, a good time, and it was interesting and cool. And I liked powering up the idea of powering up my mech, and it it had a time, built in timer. There was only like six rounds or such. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew what it was going to be. Uh, I felt that if I played it again, I could. Oh, I want to power up a little earlier, or maybe pick yeah, money over I, energy. You know, I've said this before when we talk about games that I that I get to the end of and and don't win, and how I how I react to those. Um, <laughs> there there was one major component that I felt like if I had fully appreciated when we started playing, I would have played differently and maybe had a better chance. Um, the uh, the way that you earn points from doing damage in combat mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is super important. It's more important than it contributes more points than other systems. Like there was something with the, oh the weapons. The weapons have points on them, but like mm-hmm. I had ten points from that, and so did you, and Pat had nine. Yeah, so it felt like it 50% just brought of the everybody's yeah. score up. You know the 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 uh, the delta there was only one point. Yeah. Like, that didn't matter at all. Yeah, it, it, um, it felt like, well, the, there was several other mechanics that went with that, too, like um, having mines out and having turrets out at, at the end yeah, of the Yeah, there were a bunch of other points. ways to earn points, and the big one was, uh, you know, in combat. Like, if you yeah. you fight somebody and you do five points of damage, well, you earn five points for doing yeah, that damage. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that's, and that felt like 50% of the total points, like... The right. total points. Like there's, there um, are lots of ways to score points, and they are important to the game. You can't just win by just getting combat, but that's fifty percent of your points. That's half of it. Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing is, I I did better than I had any business doing because I was half watching uh, the BlizzCon community <laughs> night ceremonies while we were playing and right. not really paying right. attention to the game. Uh, but yeah, the, the game it's the game was pretty fun. It's it does fit a little bitty box. It it has a lot it does feel like it's got a little bit a lot of little little parts to it um i think if they're just stored in their little bags properly like i could probably put characters all together and you know have four different bags um, i okay. i appreciated the aesthetics of having the different weapons so there are basic weapons that are all the same four everybody gets the same four choices mm-hmm. and the meeples have little holes in them like um <laughs> yeah like GI Joe action figures, exactly. Where that you can snap a gun into their uh, into their hand. That's and the guns C-shaped. looked like the gun that you actually have on the. They card. They look yeah. like the guns on the card, and they have a little post. They fit in the hole, and then when you um, go in the mech, well, now the mech has hard points. It has little holes again, where you could put four weapons, and like the advanced weapons are set up in a way where they wouldn't make sense in the hand, the meeple hands, but they do up on the shoulders. Up on the of shoulders, the mech. right? And then the big um, mech has them all, yeah. And, like, all of that looked really cool, but when we first set up the game and we're like, which weapon do you have? Is it this one? Does it look... And you're you're trying to... I mean, if you imagine a meeple, a little plastic weapon or shield that's scaled accurately to a meeple is a (laughs) tiny little plastic thing, and there were different ones for every 
different uh, are, right. yeah. model of weapon. I'm like, that's a that's that's a lot. Like it all looked very cool, but it felt a little bit like excessive. Yeah, you, and you definitely didn't need it. Like you don't you don't need to put those on there, you know. Sure. And, and you actually like didn't need to. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to have most of it. Like you don't need to have the power suit that it goes into. <laughs> you don't need the big mech. You just get the card, right? Um, yeah, but, I mean, then you're into the territory of like, you know, you can play uh, Wings of Glory without the little planes. Like you yeah. can play it just with the cards. They're the same scale and everything else. But right. then what are you doing? Like you're moving cards around on a board. Yeah. The whole point is the miniatures. That's the cool part. Right. Which is the same thing here. I think I think that's kind of what they were going for here is that like you're you're making miniature epic mechs. Right, right. So, so you're right. I totally agree with you. And with it's the, the you know, I'm, little I'm, things, but I was I was just down on it a little bit. But it it is all very cool, and it's impressive that it fits in a tiny box. Like, <laughs> I mean, right. it's it's not a tiny box, not like an Altoids tin, but it's the size of it's like that small size of game. I don't know what to compare it to. I mean, it's um, size of a, a hand, right? It's really not that big. Yeah, it's like a a box. If you took Four decks of cards and with a little bit of space in the middle, like for dice. That's about how big this box is. Right. And and uh and, and you can carry it with you. And I know but our buddy Mike likes these tiny games because of that. He he yeah. values space in his his uh card stuff. This is not one you could take to the bar and play. Um but it, it was fun. Like I said, it had timer it I like I like games with built in timers so that you have I think Twilight Imperium has built in timers, but um Sp- yeah, it's just six rounds and it's done. Yeah. Speaking of uh, games in the bar, that's a thing we didn't say about Gorius Maximus. It's not a game with a timer. It's a game like Love Letter where if the winning is distributed among the group, the game could take forever. Uh, the cards way. the cards were very well made. They were those like fully plastic cards yeah. that even though we were playing on that weird table with the metal edge, like none mm-hmm. of them got really... Uh, bent that I noticed. Yeah, and um, you, so you that could, was cool. You could play that in a bar, I think, right? Because it's only yeah, your definitely. hand and a, and a yeah, pocket. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. It's just a deck of cards, right? Um, so yeah, and this one is is not like that. This one needs some space, a little bit, not huge space, but space, a good mm-hmm. table. Um, so yeah, overall, it was it was an enjoyable game. It was fun. had had nice little mechanics that were. Um, there was enough mechanics. Let's put that way. Any more would yeah. have been too much. Any less, right. it might have been not enough. So I, it, it had enough mechanics. Uh, so that was fun. Um, do you want to just briefly talk about um, the second uh, Discovery short track? Sure. We got about maybe 10 minutes. Sure. Yeah, we can fit this in there because there's not a whole uh, lot to it, I think. It's yeah, the, I don't have a lot to say yeah, about this one. Th- this one uh, is uh, about, um, I'm trying to think. We'll go back. Oh, it's, it's called, the Tribbles. It's the. It's tribbles. called the Trouble with Edward, and if you've not seen it's, it, isn't it called the Terrible s- Trouble with Edward, or is it just the no, no? It's just Trouble with Edward, which okay. is a throwback to the Trouble with Tribbles. Um, if you haven't seen this, we already said it's about Tribbles, which if you couldn't tell from the title, that's what it's about. But the rest of it, we're going to spoil. So I'm going to hit the bell. Yeah. So Star Trek dealing with Tribbles again. I I asked Dennis off air several times, like. What is the deal with Tribbles? I don't get it. I'm not in on the joke. And and I guess and I guess you explained it very much like it's just was a little offbeat and different. So um I mean, there were there were 80 episodes of original series Star Trek. This is probably 
in the top five of ones that people remember. Right, which is which is just funny, but it I, sure. Um, so so they they all the Star Treks seem to kind of pay homage to it. Every, you know, each one is that does something with Tribbles just so you can be like, hey, we're fans too, type thing. Um, I don't know about all of them, but yeah, they well, yeah. they go back to it time to time. Right. So, um, this has got all about the Tribbles, and it's actually the origination of the Tribbles. At least their their signature mechanic that they spawn like crazy and overrode the shit, rides the ship. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is uh, shoot. It's H. John Benjamin from Archer, or maybe best known for Archer. The the actor and yeah. Um, I want to make sure that I have the and he he's actresses. a he's a not great. Uh, federation team person not really a team player i guess and yeah not a great scientist not a great he's definitely um, not like a he wouldn't be on the next generation he would not make it on the enterprise no well he's, he's not a he's not, he's not a poor he's not a poor like what, what am i thinking of the guy on, on um uh, uh he was on uh, the next generation and he was Always kind of a klutzy guy who... Do you mean Barkley? Barkley. He's not a Barkley. (laughs) So funny. uh, It's funny you should bring that up because I ran across a YouTube video the other day um, where somebody compared this short trek to that Next Generation episode when they... I forget. They like... He's spending too much time in the holodeck Mm -hmm. hanging out with a hologram version of Counselor Troy. (laughs) But um, wouldn't you... But wouldn't you... Picard Picard gives uh I think it's Jordy and and maybe um Riker as well gives them a speech about like you know this is Starfleet you don't give up on a man just because uh XYZ like spend some time with him get to know him like he doesn't say it this way but meet him where he's at and and connect with him and then they show the later episode when he's um Barkley performs something in one of their little concerts that they were doing all the time on next generation yeah right and in between they keep showing clips of this episode where the captain is just like the conversation's over we're done talking go away i want you off my ship like just complete the complete opposite of that of that captain that that was uh, that was a weird thing about this episode was that it it while it felt real not like futuristic happy happy star trek it, mm-hmm. it it did feel real in that way that yes if it was a, a office a business an organization and someone does not fit you you just take them off the team and transfer them somewhere else that's what transfers are for but it did feel very un Star Trek right it felt like she really like yeah so this along, um but... this captain is um uh, Rosa Salazar uh, we both probably know her as Alita uh-huh. from uh, the Battle Angel right. Movie. This is her in person, not uh, not motion captured. Um, yeah, she's she's. I'll say it this way: she's not a great leader. She's right, not, right. Like she has this this person who's like he's a scientist. He's a competent scientist in terms of the actual mechanics of of bio. Well, he's doing genetic engineering, really, which is not. Yeah. You know, longtime Star Trek fans will know is a thing that's like fully taboo because of the eugenics wars and the con mm-hmm. uh, stuff. 
that they have there. Um, and where did I? They, oh, they did on something. Weather or something. They they did a story like that in Deep Space Nine that I saw recently, where you find right. out that uh, again, spoilers. Julian is uh, genetically engineered or genetically enhanced. Yeah, they, slightly. And they make, um, they make, I mean, she's surrounded by everyone else who's like kind of top tier. It very much feels like popular kids type thing. And then, sure. And, and he is not. And so they have this, they have this problem that they're trying to solve a, a planet with a, some level of failing ecosystem. And of course, longtime fans of the show will know that tribbles are like, they're like little, I don't even know what to compare it to. They're like cats or bunnies, but without teeth or claws or anything. Like they just purr, and they're like soft, cute little pets. They're um, fur balls. But, I mean, they're just uh, the, the thing are I mean, fur balls, right? I mean, it's, it's literally just a ball of fur, yeah. yeah. Um, and the prop wants, is a ball of fur, yeah. And he looks at him and says, "There's a lot of meat in there, just like you would eat a rabbit." Right. Um, and of course, this being the future, kind of you know, more sophisticated time. Everybody else at the table is kind of appalled at the idea that he wants to, you know, use these cute little fur balls as food. And but then he also wants to genetically engineer them so that they are, have lower intelligence and maybe <laughs> yeah, breed faster. So yeah, he, he, did, he's not like, so he's he is no sympathetic, like, but he's not really sympathetic. He either, has, right? he has no ethical value system at all. Uh, or you know, not one that matches you know the rest of civilization around him. Right. right. Um, and the story turns into a kind of like the closest thing Star Trek ever gets to a horror story. Right. Right. Like the ship just gets overrun with tribbles, and they have to abandon ship. Um. And he's and, a jerk the whole time. And he's a jerk the whole time, and he gets crushed inside under the weight of these reproducing tribbles. Right. Um, which is all just kind of crazy and goofy. I mean, I think we're going to get like five or six more of these before season three or whatever is coming next in discovery. Yeah. Um, this so far is my least favorite of these uh, of any of them. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. It, not that it's bad. It just, it's it feels like the triple episodes that I've seen that they don't they're just there because they're there. They're I mean, not and the the other which really the only ones I can think of are the original and um the Deep Space Nine episode where they go back and interact with the original. There might be one or two more in one of the other shows. Um I don't remember those. I feel like Enterprise did one, maybe. Oh, you know what I just realized? You know what this is? Okay, I kind of see it. All right. This okay. is their last season. They had one just like this. It was the Harry Mudd episode. And, and now that one was interesting. Like where they took an old... they I mean, the season took Harry Mudd and did a lot with him. But the Short Treks took a Harry Mudd and did something fun with him. Mm. Right? So so it was like the Short Treks took a little... Like an old homage episode, did something new and fun with it. And then that's what it, that is. This is yeah. supposed to be like that too. Take an old concept and and pay a homage to it and do something fun with it. But it just was. I mean, I don't. Maybe it's because I don't find tribbles in, in interesting at all. I, I don't even mind the tribbles. I just this whole story of a guy who, you know. So now we have this dark past for the tribbles. Like the tribbles were just this cute, goofy kind of thing that hates Klingons and are are kind of a 
yeah. a, an annoyance to deal with. Now they're bioengineered um, for destruction. To, you know. Yeah, now they're this like accident of of genetic engineering that are like a you know like a um like a virus like a a bio weapon. Well, this, they they do you know, say this, don't they say at the end that like they get they crash the ship or some the ship gets blown up but. Some well, the ship goes. The ship goes planet. derelict and is like floating into Klingon space. Right, and we know that, like, I guess that's what hap- the Klingons have a tribble war of some sort, right? Or something. Well, I mean, they establish in the original Trouble Tribbles episode that the Tribbles will like coo and purr at anything but a Klingon, and that's back when Klingons looked like normal people with normal humans with uh, with you know cheesy mustaches, right. and right. so they find that's how they find out. That one of the the people on the station they think is human is actually a Klingon, because uh, right. the because the Tribble doesn't like him. Because the Tribble doesn't like him. Well, and, the- but it's just it was just like uncomfortable and awkward all the way through. It's like if they let Larry David write a Star Trek episode, <laughs> right? Yeah. So so this is not one I think that's going to matter, right? Like a lot of these mm. matter. Most of them matter. At least the ones before. With the I mean, maybe the we'll see. One. Maybe we will see uh, Rosa Salazar again. That you know, that that, that could be, potentially. But the, John idea. Benjamin's character dies, so you know we won't have to deal with any of that. Yeah, uh, and none of the other characters were really introduced with any kind of meaningful or named or anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, this is a very much standalone short trek. And uh, ha- had we watched three three of these, and this was the middle one, we just would have forgot it. Right, right right and like oh but the one and three is amazing because it's in a, yeah and that's okay that right they're really remember they're releasing these not in a binge worthy way that means that sometimes when you're in the middle and it's a low episode it's going to be not so fun right yeah and that's what this is right here the next one according to imdb is uh november 14th that's like two weeks from now oh i don't know if i can watch that because you know Disney Plus, I'm going to be just watching Disney shows. Though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, cool. So, short treks, we get some more of those. And then, you know, uh, Discovery in January, is that what they're looking at? Well, the last one on this list says January 9th. So, that'll be the absolute earliest. It might be more like February. I mean, it, this is one of those things that I just get excited about. I mean, it's that's a that's a neat thing. It's I think it's there's a, a lot of there's a yeah. lot of big questions, and season two has built up a lot of goodwill. Like I, I have yeah. a hard time seeing them uh, screw up whatever they're doing after uh, season two. I mean, season two wasn't perfect. It had right. its you know the space battle was kind of cheesy and non Star Trek, and there were a lot of excessive big emotional moments. But Th- uh, this feels very seasonally episodic. How does that make feel? Make you feel like this feels that um, like I, each I, season stands alone. Yeah, it's that you know I I don't know what's going to happen next for Discovery, but it doesn't have to be like Stranger Things where there feels like there needs to be a progression in characters and they're going through life type thing. This is just yeah. like what's the next episode, season long episode in Discovery's world? Um, like even without even without um, Anson Mount, like it's still. I'm still interested enough in what happens to Tilly and Saru and Stamets and mm-hmm. the rest of the uh, Discovery cast. I mean, less so Michael Burnham, but, you know, she could <laughs> she be... She is the, it's, the least favorite, besides Lieutenant I mean, Love Interest, yeah. Because because they made her the main character, she just got a little 
you know, she got too much screen time. She did too, too, too much. Everybody else is, is just as fantastic. So exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right. That's, that's good cut, for us. We got cut, it. Cut, cut everything for we now. You've it. been listening to the front porch. This is episode 115. Thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars, movie news and LRM online. Uh, if you like star Trek, role-playing star trek role-playing check out our other show klingonsdragons.com um there should be a new episode this week no last week by the time this airs unless i don't get that done uh it's not safe for work star trek role-playing podcast if you have questions comments feedback on the show you can email us frontporchpod at gmail.com if you go on our website frontporchpodcast.com we've got contact forms comment boxes on every episode um show notes if we have them um, I'll probably link up the two games that we talked about so you Definitely. can yeah. go check those out, check those out if you want. Um, we've also got the schedule for the hundred movies. It's always subject to change. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you could subscribe Apple podcasts, Spotify, overcast, anywhere podcasts found. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis and I'm Michael for the front porch. All right, everybody. See you next time.